Hey, good morning, folks. I am so glad that you're here today. Uh, of course, this is a very special weekend for us as a country as we remember those uh, who died while serving in the United States military. Yesterday, I hung my flag. It will probably hang there until Veterans Day uh, in November because the flag means something to me, and I know it does to a lot of you as well. This afternoon, I'll be doing the funeral of a dear man who served in the Korean War, and his coffin is draped with a U.S. flag, and it just really touches my heart when I recognize the men and women uh, who have served in the United States military, but especially those who died while serving in the military. We honor them this weekend. Let me tell you about some special guests that we have here today before I introduce our speaker. Uh, first of all, uh, we have a very dear lady in our church who today is 95 years young, and her name is Evelyn, McCow um, Evelyn Maccabee. Where is Evelyn Maccabee? Where is Evelyn? Ev Stand up, Miss Evelyn. <laughs> Thank you so much. Her, her whole family is here today. They came and surprised her. She didn't know they were coming to church, and they all came to surprise her, and we wish you a happy birthday. We're grateful for you, as well as your sister. You know, when you see one, you see the other, right? They're known as the sisters here at Mount Airy, and we love our sisters here at Mount Airy. Also, we have some very special guests that have come further farther, further, whichever that is, uh, to come to church today than any of you. I'm, I, I promise you they have, because they've come from Africa. They thought I was preaching, and they showed up, but that's enough. <laughs> now, these are some dear brothers. I met them yesterday, and I, I, I saw them this morning and talked to them briefly, and, and I worked with them on pronouncing their names correctly and I'll get the first name, but I probably won't get the, second, or the last name, all right? I'm going to ask them to stand as I call your name. Would you stand and turn facing the congregation? These are men who are working with water missions, uh, and they're country directors for water missions. And I'm, I'll introduce each one of them. Nixon Sinisa. Oh, I'll say that's probably not right. He's a country director for Malawi. Would you welcome him? Moses Nganya from Kenya, country director for Kenya. And I think I'll get this one right. Tom Kisubi from Uganda. These are men that, that Doug Lawson works with. Uh, Doug and Jennifer and their boys, members of our church, been here for years, and several years ago, felt led of the Lord to move their family to Africa to help the people there in Africa have clean drinking water, so that not only will they have clean, safe drinking water, but they might also tell them about the living water, the Lord Jesus. It's, I, I was sitting there this morning listening to Doug and thinking about how he used to be just sitting in the pew with you guys. You know, he used to have a regular secular job, and now he's working in Africa started out in Uganda, and now is working in Uganda, Kenya, and Malawi. And it just blessed my heart to see how God is using him and his family in those countries. And so would you welcome Doug today as he comes to preach for us today and share the good news with us. Doug, thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning again. Uh, it's good to see you. <clears throat> And uh, good to have everyone that was involved in the walk for water yesterday. Uh, we had a walk for water at uh, Wren High School, 
and I think it was very successful. Uh, we had over 100 people there, and uh, it was great to raise awareness of, of what people are doing around the world, what the struggles they have, where they have to walk for miles to get water. And so we set up a, a kind of a display of our water system, but also had people walk two miles uh, to, to get water and take it to a, a, a tub to get treated. And so it created some, some difficulties in their life. Uh, it was hot out there. It was a long way to walk. And we had small buckets that we were carrying, and they were not full. Uh, but people carry large buckets of water, five gallons uh, a piece in a bucket, weighing 40 pounds. And so they're having to get that water and bring it back to their house. And even then, it's not clean to drink. It's dirty. Those of you that were there yesterday, you saw how dirty the water is. Uh, sometimes it's dirtier than that. Sometimes it's, it looks cleaner. Uh, but it, the vast majority of the time, it will still make you sick uh, when you take it back home and drink it. Uh, so we're, we're all, we had an awesome opportunity to uh, spread awareness by walking for water, uh, spread awareness for what we're doing around the world, and uh, raise money for a water project in Kenya called Kinunji. It's about 5,000 people, and uh, we raised uh, $19,000, so that's awesome. Uh, I, I was talking with Jennifer when we first started and saying, well, what should we set the goal for this uh, water project? And so we decided to sit, just set it at the cost of the water project, which was $75,000. And uh, it was a little lofty, uh, but uh, we've gone a long ways. So we appreciate your prayers and support and your giving to that. Uh, many BSF classes came together and, and put together baskets that we could offer to sale there or raffle off. Uh, and um, many people came and donated their time. And I just uh, want to thank you for that. Thank you for being a church that stands behind missions and pushes and gives out missionaries from this church. Uh, it's, it's very uh, comforting to me, uh, and uh, we do appreciate it, uh, not just here, but uh, overseas. Uh, so, I don't know if we can turn on Dave's mic also, but one thing I love about being in Africa is uh, when you're greeting fellow Christians, you say, praise the Lord, and they either return it, say, praise the Lord, or they say, Amen. So I know many times that I've spoken up here, I've, I've uh, said praise the Lord in different languages and, and taught you to say amen, but I'd love for you to hear it from the, the local language. Uh, so I'm going to have each one say praise the Lord in their local language and you can respond amen. We'll start with what's your country? This is from Kenya and you'll just respond amen. Buana asifiwe. Amen. Buana asifiwe. Thank you. This is from Malawi, and you basically say the same thing. Amen. Mulungale mekezeke. Mulungale mekezeke. Hallelujah. Oh, this is from Uganda. Uh, you say, Mkama heba ziwe. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, and 
Uganda's neat because they changed the amen, amina. Uh, but, uh, so these guys have, have come from their respective countries. We've been in a, a training and workshop down in Charleston at Water Mission all this past week. Uh, so they offered to come up here and support the walk, and I wanted to come visit my home church. You know, I talk a lot about you, and uh, you send teams over, and they've seen the teams, but uh, haven't seen the, the church and been able to worship with us. So I'm grateful that they're able to come and spend time with us. And uh, awesome that when you're greeting other Christians over there, that you have that ability to say praise the Lord. Uh, we're, we're thankful we're in countries uh, most of our countries that Water Mission are in are, are open countries uh, where you can praise the Lord in public. You can share your faith. Uh, some countries are not. They're uh, closed countries like Indonesia uh, where you have, to, you have to find another avenue rather than public proclamation. You have to uh, meet with them at their homes and have private conversations with them. But uh, I love being able to say praise the Lord to other Christians and have them respond. Uh, so Water Mission does work in, in many countries around the world, uh, 55 countries, uh, but we have country offices that these guys lead in nine countries around the world. And many times when we go into the village, we are, are asked, you know, why are you here? You know, why are you doing what you're doing? You're giving of your time and giving of your resources. Uh, why do you do that? And it, it would be easy to say, well, because we're wanting to promote water mission, or uh, we want to receive uh, some kind of reward for that ourselves. Uh, but I, I love what the praise team was singing this morning. It said, all the glory, all the praise to him alone. And that's why we do what we do as water mission, is not to receive the praise for ourselves, uh, but to reflect that back to God. Uh, we want to be mirrors uh, so that he receives the glory. In Isaiah 41, it talks about God, why, why he's giving water to those people there. It's so that people may see, so that people may know. They may consider and understand who God is. Uh, so uh, just to appreciate that, that song this morning, it really touched me as to the reason why we are serving God is not for us, uh, but it's for the Lord. So he receives the glory for that. Uh, this morning, uh, I'd, have a, I'd love to talk about many things, have a lot to share with you uh, about our personal life, about the ministries that we have going on, about each one of our country programs, but unfortunately, I don't have enough time. Uh, so I, I want to talk about uh, how to keep going forward in your Christian walk. See, the, the Christian life is a decision that is followed by a process. None of us have arrived. None of us have it all together. None of us know exactly how to do life. Uh, we are in the process of growing in the likeness of Christ. We're, we're being sanctified. We're in a, that process. And many times in our life, things have happened. Hurts have come. Uh, disappointments have come. And uh, we, we struggle. We have brokenness in our life. And... I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is the great healer. He is the one that can fix this brokenness in our life. Through the indwelling of his spirit, he wants to provide comfort for us. He wants to provide healing so that we can recover from the sin in our life. 
so that we can become all that he has saved us to be. So now in in Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul addressed this subject of how to keep going forward. And a lot of people, they, they come down the aisle, come down the aisle of the church to be saved. They give their life to the Lord. But then difficulties come. Setbacks in their walk come. And they even find themselves going back to their old pattern of life. So I want to ask you, have you found this to be true in your life? You've accepted Christ as your Savior, but setbacks come, difficulties come, and you may be no longer following him or no longer following him as close. Well, in Galatians 3.3, Paul writes writes about that to the Galatians who started out with Christ, but they're having difficulty. But let's start in verse 1, Galatians 3, verse 1. It says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal through human effort? I love that. After starting with the Spirit, are you now trying to do it yourselves, attain it through human effort? Uh, The message translation of the Bible has has an interesting spin on it, I think was really good. It says, uh, let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue in this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what has begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? We're not smart enough to begin our walk of faith ourselves or take the steps of faith ourselves. So why do we try to do it ourselves after we are believers? That's what Paul is asking, is why? why? There's an Old Testament passage that also applies to this in Zechariah chapter 4. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We can do nothing in and of ourselves. We must recognize that it's God's power through us that transforms our lives and keeps us going forward. There are going to be times when we cease to go forward. And then there's the flesh that that pulls on us against doing good, against doing what's right. Paul said many times, when I want to do what is right, instead I do what I don't want to do, and that's what's wrong. So I don't want to do it, but I find myself doing it. So I think many of us are in the same boat. Uh, we, We start off doing good, start off doing right, And then the flesh comes in and it pulls us off track. And so I want to talk to you about how to keep going forward. But the first thing we have to recognize is that it's bad to go backwards in our Christian life. Uh, Many of us say we want to go forward, but we don't realize the, the disruption it is in our life to move backwards. Move backward in our Christian walk. And we relapse to our old way of thinking, our old way of acting. And that's a danger to us. But why does it happen? 
Uh, one reason is because of complacency. We get some victory in our life over anger, maybe a victory over resentment or guilt or a past defeat. We get a, a victory over that, and all of a sudden we come, become complacent. We get a temporary victory. Uh, we, may be, we may have a good Bible study or attend a good men's conference or women's conference. We say we're going to change this part of our life. We realize that it's not in line with God's word. But a week later, a month later, many times we fall back into our old way of living. We receive a, a temporary victory, uh, but then we become complacent and we fall backwards. After complacency also comes confusion. Because we find ourselves defeated again, even though we experienced a partial victory, we become confused. You know, how did this happen? You know, I had victory over this. And, and you're confused in your mind what's going on. And we begin to rationalize about our recovery. And we begin to say, well, maybe it wasn't so bad what I was doing before, the anger I had or the resentment I had in my life. Maybe it wasn't so bad. There's, um, before I get there, there's uh, also uh, compromise. Satan comes in and tempts us uh, about going back to our old ways, about uh, going back to our old temptation, and we become in that pattern of thinking of defeat, and we compromise on, our, uh, on the things that we have given over to God. There's a, a technician in Uganda that uh, he's char in charge of doing plumbing work, in charge of doing electrical work, and some of the building constructions and things. And uh, I helped train him. We've had a lot of others that have gone to Uganda to train him, and he's been trained locally. But he doesn't always do it right. And what's frustrating to me is when you teach somebody something and they don't get it. So you try to teach them again, and they don't, they don't get it or they don't do what you've asked them to do or you've trained them on. And I become angry like Fred, <laughs> Tom would know this guy, so don't go back and tell him. <laughs> like, Fred, you can't get this right. I've, I've showed you how to glue PVC pipe together how many times. You can't get it right, so I become angry at him. I, I told you to put the conduit on the wall straight. I become angry with him. And I realize that anger is not giving way to the love that I've been called to show him. Uh, and uh, I say words that I regret later. I'm more harsh with my language, and I regret that later. And so I, I give that to the Lord, and he gives me victory. And I love Fred again. And uh, so we're cruising along, everything's going good. And a month later, or maybe two months later, I go visit one of Fred's projects. And the pipe is on the wall like this. Instead of being level, I'm like, ah, Fred, I told you not to do that. And anger comes up again. And I, I, I become complacent. I become comfortable with my short-term victory. And it doesn't end up being a long-term victory. So let's, let's look at the cause of that. You, what, what causes that in our lives? Because I don't think I'm the only one that experiences that. So how does relapse happen? Uh, in our recovery process. The first thing that happens is because we revert to willpower instead of God's power. 
In Galatians 3.3, Paul talks to a group of believers that started out well. They started out their race doing well. They were excited for Christ, and they were victorious in many areas of their life. But now, he writes to them, and they're under bondage. They're struggling in their Christian life. There's heartache. There's defeat. There's despair. And these people are just going through an agonizing time. And Paul said, do you realize that you started out through the power of the Spirit? You, you started out following God, following the power of the Spirit, and now you've gone back to depending on your own power, to willpower. We try to will ourselves through it instead of God's power, relying on God to get us through it. And many times, I think you probably see that in your own life. You see a temporary victory. And you recognize that uh, you didn't achieve this victory by your own might, but you achieved it by God's might. But then time and again, we forget that. We don't recognize God in our life, that he got us through this and got us a temporary victory. and We fall back our own, on our own willpower. We revert back to that. A second thing that when relapse comes is because we try to do it alone. We try to do things by ourselves. Uh, we do it in isolation. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better off than one, because if one of them falls down, the other can help him up. If someone is alone and falls behind or falls down, then it's too bad. Nobody's there to, to pick them up. But let's, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and see what that says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. I don't hear as many pages turning in the second service. Maybe it's because of uh, on your phone and tablets as we did the first service. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. We begin that recovery process. We get short-term victories, and pretty soon you say, I don't need to meet together as a group. I don't need to go to BSF class that gives us teaching and uh, group uh, encouragement. I don't need to be a part of a worship service or I don't need to hear Pastor Keith preaching. We may get that, that victory and think we don't need companionship. We don't need fellowship with one another. You may say, I can handle it on our own. We isolate ourselves from the thing we need help support with. And that's the fellowship uh, with the people of God. So the church is not here just to support the ministers it's not here to just take up an offering. It's not here just to sing songs and go home. The church is here because it's the family of God. And we need to be together. All of us. Any one of us. We will not succeed on our own. We will not succeed on our own. When we don't have a group that supports us, that prays with us, uh, we can easily fall back into temptation and fall uh, on the, along the wrong path and I'm so thankful that many of you tell me that you're praying for us daily 
or weekly, or you have a regular schedule where you pray for missionaries uh, and you, you call us by name. And that encourages us. I think it also brings you together as a group. You're not isolated either. When you're praying, you're also being a part of the ministry there. Uh, the third thing is we relapse. It happens many times because we are prideful. Uh, I work with a, a Christian ministry called Water Mission. Uh, these guys are there too, and, and we were at, um, at, in Charleston, our office, last week. And we were trained in leadership principles. Uh, so the Kathy Foundation, the, uh, the, the ones that own uh, Chick-fil-A's, they, they came in and did leadership training for us. They selected Water Mission as, as a like-minded organization, and they had a leadership training for us. And so we went through that last week, and I love one of the sections of that program that talked about this very issue. It talked about our ego. Now, ego is not meaning the Freudian term of ego, but ego as an acronym. Ego meaning edging God out. We edge God out. And I think of it like we're following Jesus on a path, and he's leading us, and, or we're walking along a, a road, and Jesus is beside us, guiding us. But when we edge him out, we, we get in front of him. He's no longer leading us down that path, or he's no longer walking beside us, giving us direction. We edge him out. I think of even, you have your elbows out. You, you're trying to get in front of him, like you're trying to, to get in front of him and win the race or something. So I, I think of edging God out like that. We edge God out. Uh, as the object of our worship. We edge God out as the source of our security, our self-worth, and our wisdom. We edge God out as the authority over our daily work. We edge God out in many aspects of our life. We get in front of him. We no longer follow him. And when we have this ego, when, we, when we're edging God out, it shows up in our lives. It manifests itself in our lives as pride and fear. We become prideful. We become fearful. Pride is an overly high opinion of yourself, an exaggerated self-esteem, or an arrogance. Uh, Romans 12.3 says, thinking more of and about yourself than you should. Fear is also just as crippling. Uh, it's an insecure view of the future that produces an urge to protect yourself in a negative way. We no longer feel secure in our future, and we're fearful. And so that causes us to try to protect ourselves in a way that's not healthy. We are fearful. And Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man is a trap. So pride and fear separate us from God, separate us from others. It leads us to compare ourselves with others. It leads us to a distorted view of truth and a false sense of security. So when we were going through this at Water Mission, we all sat in a circle. Everybody was in a chair. We had the, the guys that were going through it, and we had leadership of Water Mission. And uh, the, the Kathy Foundation called it the uh, Water Mission Anonymous. Uh, and so we had to go around the room. We didn't have to, but uh, you could say, Hi, I'm Doug. And they would say, hi, Doug. And say, 
I would say, well, I'm an egomaniac, and I'm struggling with either pride or fear. And you would describe what, what was going on. Now, I'm not going to tell you what, what I confessed during that time, uh, but it, it, was, it was a healthy time for us to realize that we have some of these things in our heart and our lives. Maybe we don't want to give up. Maybe we're edging God out of our lives and focusing on these things instead. So ego is how we relapse from the right relationship with God. But there's a cure, and I'm thankful for that. It's not just that we, we have to try to do it on ourselves alone with our own willpower, but there is a cure. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said these words in Mark 14. It says, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So Jesus said this to his disciples who had walked with him three and a half years. What a motivation. If you could hear Jesus Christ telling you that. Watch and pray. What a group of leaders. I mean, the disciples were following Christ and he was telling them to watch and pray. And the Lord was just a few feet away from him, away from them when he was telling that. And you can imagine the great things, or you know the great things that the disciples, the apostles did. And you would think they would not fall into temptation. But as you know the story very well, they did. They fell asleep. They were not continuing to watch and pray. They were, they were, uh, they fell asleep. They didn't do what Jesus asked them to do. And so the soldiers came in, the crowd came in, they arrested Jesus and took them away. And the disciples were overcome with fear. They spread out, they denied Jesus, they were overcome by fear. They ran away. So what does that mean? It means that many things that are related to a healthy Christian life, like uh, meditating on the word, about uh, praying, about trusting Christ, are the, the things that we need to focus on. The things we need to watch and pray are, are not uh, denying Christ, not edging him out. So we, we do that in, in many ways, <clears throat> uh, like living a healthy Christian life, like meditating on the word. Uh, in Psalms, it said to meditate on the word day and night. Uh, we're also to examine ourselves. In 2 Corinthians, it says that we're also to pray and reflect on God's goodness. And we can find the way we should live in Scripture. <clears throat> but I would like you to, to, I would like to also share with you how this conference uh, told us that we can get rid of our ego. Uh, there was another way we could change ego instead of meaning edging God out to exalting God only. Use the same ego and change it into exalting God only. We must exalt God only as the object of our worship, not edge him out. We must exalt God only as the source of our security, of our self-worth and our wisdom. Exalt God only as the audience and judge of our life decisions. When we're exalting God only, it brings us into a right relationship with God. So those are a lot of statements, but exalting God only expresses itself in, in ways and through humility and through God-given confidence. You can see these things combating sin in our lives, combating 
uh, temptation in our lives and fear. These combat pride and fear. Humility is something to hope for, but to never claim. As soon as we claim to be humble, I, I believe we are no longer humble. See, I'm the most humble person I know. Then we're no longer humble. As soon as you claim to be humble, you're not. Humility is something we observe in others and we gain a kingdom perspective. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. That is the opposite of pride, humility. God-grounded confidence is resting assured in God's nature, goodness, purpose, plan, process, and provision. Proceeding in faith one step at a time. In a man's heart, he plans his ways, but it's the Lord that directs our steps. And through God-given confidence, we're able to take a step of faith each day following the Lord. In Hebrews 13, 6, it says, So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So this confidence is the opposite of fear. So again, we're exalting God instead of edging him out or exalting ourselves. So I want to ask you, are you willing to say that today? Lord, I, I can't do it on my own, but I will commit it to you. Are you willing to say, Lord, I started with you and made a good start, but Lord, I've gone backwards. Are you going to be like me and confess those things that you're struggling with and seek God to help change you for good, not just for temporary? You're going to say you're like the Galatians where you started off walking the right faith, walking uh, in God's steps, or be like the Galatians where they fell back into their own ways and gone backwards in their Christian life. So if you say that's true for you today, then today is the best day. It's the first day of the rest of your life. It could be the greatest day in your Christian life. Somebody said that if you're not closer to Jesus today than you were in the past, that means that you have backslid. Are you closer to Jesus today than you were yesterday? Or last year. I hope many of us today will come and say that we need humility in our life. We need the confidence that God gives, not confidence in ourselves, not the willpower that us that we can have, but the God power. So if you need that today, then we, we have an opportunity for you to come forward. You can pray at the altar, you can talk with the pastor. And you can say, God, I, I was edging you out of my life. I was trying to get around you. But I realized that. I realized I had pride and fear come into my life. And it was taking over and it was affecting my relationships. But now I want to exalt you only. I want to have confidence in your word, in your promises. And I want to trust you. I want to give that over to you in a humble way. So we'll have the opportunity for you to come forward, for you to talk with the pastor and pray. But let me pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day.
I thank you for the, the opportunity to fellowship with fellow believers. I thank you for the opportunity to study your word and to know you. God, I just, uh, I love you, and I thank you that you guide us, that we can have confidence in you. We don't have to rely on ourselves all the time, that we can get rid of fear in our lives. I thank you that we can be humble, and we can also serve instead of being prideful and demeaning. So God, I pray that you would forgive us for those times we're not following you, for the times where we've stepped away from you and chosen just small victories and not chosen the big victory. God, I pray that you would draw us to yourself, that you would forgive us, and that you would use us in a mighty way. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.